Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new episode of the I Am A Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined, as always, by Dave Matter, here to break down this week in Mizzou sports. Talking a lot of hoops this week and also a tribute at the end of the podcast to uh, a friend that we've lost. Um, but, Dave, let's start with Mizzou basketball. Um, we're going to talk a lot of basketball here. First, we should go big picture and talk about basically the curse of the state of Mississippi. This yeah. is getting to be outrageous. It reminds me of, like, of uh, Johnny Cash, who got arrested in Starkville once, um, singing the songs about getting stuck in the sands of uh, sand of Mississippi. This is where the Missouri football, football and basketball team is right now. I mean, Missouri football team goes to Mississippi State, loses. COVID happens. Missouri basketball goes to Mississippi State, loses. I think that's maybe where their COVID came from. Who knows? Um, and then and then now this at, at Ole Miss, they cannot figure out a way to beat this Ole Miss basketball team. Oh, 80 to 59 loss, which was a real stinker. Probably one of the worst games of the Tigers season coming right after they got their number 10 ranking. What is it with this state, man? I don't know. Missouri basketball, since joining the SEC, is 2-13 and 13 in Mississippi, in the Magnolia State, and 1-7 and seven in Oxford. And we're not – we're not talking about great teams from those two programs over that course of time. Now, Andy Kennedy had some good teams and he's a really good coach. And look, he's, he's winning at UAB right now. So he was a really good coach and Kermit Davis is a good coach, but we're not talking about vintage Kentucky or vintage Florida teams, you know, that were running to the final four. I, I, I don't know if it's just a coincidence or what I don't, or, or is this a team that Missouri historically now just overlooks when they, when they play them, um, Frank Haith was one and three against Ole Miss. Kim Anderson, oh and six, not good. Uh, Conzo Martin now two and five, and uh, I think Conzo's got the only win in Oxford his first year. Otherwise, they come out losers there every time. And it's not, especially this year, but it's not some really tough place to play with some frenzied environment. I've I've gone the last couple of years to Oxford. Not I didn't go last night, but. It's half full at most, um, but for whatever reason, they do not play well there. And I think last night it just looked like a team that – half of a team at least that was just disengaged, and they thought it would be easier than it was. I think, I'm trying to think like Wright Thompson is having the team over for a big like <laughs> fried chicken, like pregame meal with like a bunch of like heavy southern foods, and then they're all lethargic on like maybe it's maybe – we, maybe we blame Wright for this. Um, you know, the, the Oxford effect. I, I don't know what's going on, but it was a trap game. We didn't do a podcast before the game. I think both of us would have said this is exactly the kind of game you fear this team doesn't show up and, and play well in based off of all kinds of reasons. One, the record. Two, the fact that they just got ranked. Um, yeah. They had a, you know, a, a crazy win against Alabama where they had to hold on for dear life. It, you saw this one coming. And the fact that Conzo, I think, is now two and six going all the way back uh, to Missouri State, Middle Tennessee days against Kermit Davis. He just has – he always coaches well against Conso's teams. Yeah. Um, they don't, and, and you also kind of saw Ole Miss trending up. Ole Miss now three consecutive wins, and let's look at who those wins were. One was Tennessee, ranked 11th at the time. The other was Auburn, um, one of the teams to recently beat Mizzou, and, and now, of course, number 10, Missouri. So Ole Miss is kind of starting to maybe think that it's season – has some life, not a team that maybe folks are going to want to see in the SEC tournament. So you don't want to, you know, take too much away from the from the Rebels. They did a they did a good job. They certainly were the team that wanted it more 
last night, outscored Missouri 38-22 to in the second half. Um, there's really no point in getting too much into the weeds on this one, Dave, other than Conzo's comments after really seemed to challenge specifically Xavier Pinson um, and, and kind of say that a lot of their offense didn't have a chance to happen because of his unwillingness to attack the basket. Also seemed like he, he called out Jeremiah Tillman a little bit for maybe being a little too, a little too passive at times. Um, what did you make of, of what you saw, obviously, but also what Coach said after the game? Yeah, you know, he, he said Pinson just didn't get to the rim, which was obvious. I, I thought he tried early a couple times, and he, he went inside. He didn't get the, the bump. You know, he didn't get the call that he tried, uh, that sometimes he does, didn't roll in for him. And after that, it just seemed like he was content to stick outside and be a jump shooter. And that takes Missouri out of its offense because, as Conzo said afterwards, they have so many actions and so many things that are predicated on on Pinson driving the lane and finding guys open or making the play himself. And he said the result of that is everybody kind of stands around, they get stagnant. Now the solution is you can put Drew Bugs in and Drew rarely turns the ball over. Uh, he's got a really high assist to turnover ratio, but he's not the dynamic scorer, the dynamic athlete, offensive player that, uh, that Pinson is. So if you're behind, you know, he can't help you that much. I mean, he can stabilize things for a while, but he's not going to get you back from a double-digit deficit. So I wrote at the beginning of the season, this team can go as far as as Tillman and Pinson take them. And I last night was obvious case. That I, I still think Drew Smith is their best all-SEC candidate. He's their best all-around player last night, and he never stopped last night. But – the upside of those other two guys is what takes Missouri to a different, uh, different realm. And you saw last night when they don't get much out of those guys uh, and, and defensively when Missouri's not playing very well in the half court and not getting transition baskets, Kermit Davis, that was the first thing he said after the game, zero, Missouri had zero transition baskets. A lot of that was Ole Miss wasn't missing shots. So they didn't get ch chances very often, but also Ole Miss sprinted back and they tried to stop that and put Missouri in a half-court offense, and Missouri just didn't respond. Yeah, it was a good game plan, and, and Ole Miss had some guys go off. Jarkel Joyner drops 21. Um, Luis Rodriguez and, and Devontae Schuler each have 15 apiece. They were hitting everything. They shot 57% from the field. Missouri's defense was um, was not up to up to snuff. It's kind of surprising the Ole Miss makes eight three-pointers. <laughs> which, yeah. uh, you know, one of the worst uh, three-point shooting teams in the conference, along with Missouri, which also made a fair share. Missouri made eight as well, but only shot 49% from the field. It was more of what Ole Miss was doing, could not miss, and, and Missouri just couldn't get any, any, any sort of pace going. Their possessions were super, super low. You mentioned Drew Smith. Absolutely right. He played well, 17 points. Um, he had three assists. I think he had three steals as well he was he was the only guy who played most of the game 33 minutes Conzo was kind of going deep to the bench trying to look for for answers from other guys a lot of guys played double digit minutes in this game but, but no one played all that well Javon Pickett if there's a silver lining here it looks like he's better he yeah. scores 10 points we were kind of wondering about his foot and ankle but not exactly too much else positive to point to so they they lose and and now they they move on but the question becomes, Dave, what does this affect? Because we saw them take a real tumble in the, in the net rankings. Um, you know, there's now going to be questions of are they are they 
a couple bad losses away from maybe not being an automatic at large. Um, the the Tigers, as we've said a million times, they can they can beat and play with any team in the country if they're on. If they're off and in a funk like they were like they were in Oxford, they can lose to anybody. We've seen both teams sometimes in one game, <laughs> depending right. on the half. Um, there, what what is the effect of this loss? Um, now it could I guess be diminished if Ole Miss continues to play like this, but as of right now, it hurt them bad. Well, this is a Missouri team. Even in their wins, they don't put anybody away, and we know that that impacts their rankings. Not necessarily the human polls, but the um, the efficiency polls, the, the the polls that take into account how they're actually playing, not just the end result. And then when you lose, especially to a team that's ranked below you, it, it, you're going to tumble. And they've got a chance to do that. Um, good news is the rest of the schedule is pretty manageable. The bad news is you lose one of those, like a South Carolina or an, a rematch with Ole Miss or uh, Texas A&M, that could really hurt you. And all of a sudden, you're going from talking about are you a two, three, or four seed in the NCAA tournament to are you going to find yourself on the bubble? Uh, we, we may be getting ahead of ourselves because this Missouri team has done really well after losses. They seem to respond. Individually, guys seem to respond, and they bounce back. They've got the Rally for Ryan game on Saturday against Arkansas. They're undefeated in the Rally for Ryan game. They always win that one. Um, you know, they, they, they played Arkansas really well on the road last year, but Arkansas is playing a lot better right now. So it's not a, it's not a gimme by any means. Um, but they, they need to bounce back pretty quickly. Otherwise, you know, forget – worrying about seedings and rankings uh, and then you're just going to be scrambling by the end of the regular season we still don't know about that Vanderbilt game or the LSU game if they're going to play those or not meanwhile teams like LSU Florida and Arkansas are passing them in the net rankings and those are what are used to map out the NCAA bracket uh, Old Miss is right now is the team right behind Missouri uh, and they're playing themselves onto the bubble so they're kind of venturing into dangerous territory here now I, I, there was a freak out on twitter of course from fans um because this was not a good loss really outside of top four or five teams especially gonzaga and baylor they don't have any losses but teams like michigan illinois um outside of those everybody's got a bad loss i mean it happens look at tennessee has a couple bad losses tennessee uh, lost told miss right even good, even good teams <laughs> In the, the Big 12, the Big 10, you know, Ohio State's way up there and they, they have a loss to Northwestern. Um, you know, Virginia's winning the, the ACC right now and who they, they lost to like San Francisco. Um, yeah, so it, it happens. It just can't happen multiple times. And now Missouri's got two tough losses to Mississippi and Mississippi State. Um, the other ones won't. Well, Auburn's not a, a great loss either because Auburn's kind of gone the tank lately. Um, so yeah, you just can't have more of these. You, you just can't, or, or you're going to be playing yourself onto a seed line where you're not the higher seeded team. And then you're just hoping that it's a decent matchup. The so a little bit of a, a silver lining check here and, and maybe some perspective. You're totally right. Um, there's two teams in college basketball right now that are under undefeated um, Gonzaga and Baylor, every other team in the country, pretty much has a loss or multiple losses that don't look good. Right. You mentioned Tennessee. Um, this is interesting about Missouri though. They, they have not lost consecutive games all season. Um, this was their worst 
loss point margin on the year 21, their previous loss of that, their previous worst loss was that 20 point beat down they took at the hands of Tennessee to open conference play. What do they do after that? They turn around and beat Arkansas by 13 on the road. Um, You know, they have followed up significant losses with significant wins, a loss at Mississippi state by 15, they follow up and beat Texas A&M on the road by 16. And then things have been a little more close here and there. Um, they're, they're not a team that, that really blows teams out. And, and they're usually not a team that gets, gets, gets beat by this much. They're a team that wins games by single digits most of the time. And we, we talked about that 5-0 record and five-point games. And I think that's kind of people have gone to great lengths to try to figure out this team. They're a good team when they're good at what they do. Right. But when they're not doing those things, they're not talented enough to to not play their their style and go out and get a win. You know, when you can tell pretty soon if they're not if they're not themselves. Yeah. And and if they're not, then that's how you can they can lose to any team in this conference. And, then, and but that's also for people who are pulling their hair out. Watch other teams across college basketball. That's every team in college basketball in this weird season where, you know, practices are strange because of COVID and games are being postponed left and right. It's just a, it's, it's the, it's a weird year in general. All you do is look at the top blue bloods and see how many are missing from the top 25. Yeah. I think everything for this team is going to come down to what kind of trend line it has going entering for the postseason, right. but you don't want to play so poorly toward the end of the regular season that you're entering the postseason on such an uphill climb that you've really hurt yourself. Um, that you don't want to do that either. So I'll be curious to see how they respond here. Usually, when when Conzo, you know, he doesn't usually. I wouldn't say he. I wouldn't say he threw guys under the bus, but he's not usually individually critical of players. Right, and and he was probably as much as you'll hear him about Penson and I'm curious to see how Penson responds because to Penson's credit when he's been called out before he usually comes up and plays like an all SEC kind of player right right yeah and you know he doesn't call out their lack of energy or effort very often because it doesn't happen very often we don't right. see that um so that that's that's interesting to me they they're not talented and Jeff Gordon wrote this this morning they're not talented enough to win if all five guys on the floor aren't locked in and giving great effort. They, that has to be on their side. I mean, Conzo preaches it all the time that it, it falls on deaf ears, probably in the media defense rebounding and playing hard. Like those are non-negotiable qualities of a Conzo Martin basketball team. And if this team in particular, if, if they don't follow through with all three of those, no shot, no shot. I mean, Pinson will hit eight threes once a year he's, or once in his career. He's done it once. You got to bring the other stuff. There's, there's no doubt about that. And we'll see if that message was delivered. You would think it would be, I mean, these, this group hasn't had a game like that this year where they lose to a team they should be now Ole Miss was favored, but by like two points, but a team they should be more competitive against hasn't beaten them like that. This is only the fifth time. I looked this up. There's only been three, games under Conzo in four years where the rebounding margin has been greater than it was last night. Uh, they got pounded on the boards at West Virginia last year. They didn't have Tillman in that game. Uh, 
earlier this year is a 15 rebound margin at Mississippi State. They go to Ole Miss, 15 rebounding margin, minus 15 for Missouri. And another game last year where AM killed them on the boards. So it doesn't happen very often. They're usually net positive rebounding. But if it's a double-digit deficit, forget it. I mean, you can't – this team is not talented enough to compete with if they're not playing at their, at their maximum effort level. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. That 15 rebounding margin is huge. Ole Miss shooting 57% from the field is huge. Um, you also had a num- another number that jumped out to me, four field goals attempted by Jeremiah Tillman. It can't happen. He's got to – he's just got to get the ball, and he's got to be aggressive in getting the ball, and they have to find him opportunities. The, the When they played that first half so well – not so well, they were down, but, but they played a, a good first half. Tillman was getting the ball in the post. He was kicking out of the post and they were hitting shots. Yeah. He can pass so well. You have to give him, even if it's not field goal attempts, you've got to get him touches down there. It didn't, uh, they didn't have, have enough dedication to getting him the ball. And some of that, of course, goes back to Benson. The other thing too, they didn't, it wasn't the factor in this game because they lost by so much, but they missed 10 free throws, yeah. which that to me is a focus thing. I mean, this is a traditionally a pretty good free throw shooting team. They made five of 15, which is really uncharacteristic. So I, I think it's um, just you throw that one away. You don't, you can't mic it from your record, but I don't know that if you're Conzo, if you spend too much time going over the film of it, it's more of a question of where, where are those guys' heads at and how do they get them back in the right place for, right. for the rest of the season? Because they got six games left. And say what, you know, as we've learned, they can, they can beat anybody, they can lose to anybody. Arkansas has been playing better. Georgia got got crushed by Tennessee, but they had been playing better. South Carolina on the road is always tough. You got Ole Miss again, and then Texas A&M and a trip to Florida to end the regular season. And there's not there's no gimmies on this schedule the rest of the way, Dave. Yeah, uh, Ole Miss has swept Missouri before. They just did it two years ago. They did it a couple of times under Kim. Um, that's that's not yeah. It's it should be an easy slate if you just look at it and you compare it to who else people are playing down the stretch and Florida's got a brutal stretch down the, down the uh, final three weeks. Uh, LSU has a really tough stretch. Statistically, Missouri's is more manageable, but you play like you did against in Oxford, um, all bets are off and all those games are going to be hard. Yep. And uh, that's where Missouri is. We'll see what happens in the rankings. They got up to 10, of course, by holding on to beat Alabama. That was a, a curious game that we covered there. Um, and, and this 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 loss doesn't remove that. It's the top 10 win. This team's got three of them. This team's got four top 25 wins for those who might be losing a little bit of perspective. Um, and it just shows you the wide ceiling to floor this team could have. So their challenge is always going to be playing their best basketball come the most important part of the season. But they're getting close to it. And that was one of their worst performances here um, of the season in Oxford. So we'll put a bow on that day. Cause I really don't know that, that there's much use in, in dissecting more right. of a, uh, of a 21 point loss. I think we, I think we covered most of it and we'll have full coverage in the post-dispatch on Saturday. You'll be at the game. Um, and, and our colleague Benjamin Hockman will be there with you. So encourage folks to check that out. Um, but we wanted to kind of end the podcast day by, by a tribute, I, I think is the right word for, and really just uh, passing along our condolences, I think importantly too, to both our, our friends in Kansas City who worked closely with him, his family, his friends, his fiance, Therese Paler, um, who we've lost, Dave, 
far too early at the age of 37. Um, he covered the Mizzou B. That's where we both met him when he was covering yeah. the Tigers for the star and uh, came to know Therese as a guy who you're always happy. I was always happy to see and, and admired his work ethic and his humor and grace and all the positive things that you're hearing said about him. We can, we can second, but um, just a terrible loss for our industry. And we know a lot of our, our friends in the business are, are feeling this one heavy as well. Yeah, this is a really, really hard one for a lot of reasons. Um, it, how young Therese was, he was just 37. I, I think that's what hits home. We've lost colleagues, even, you know, at the Post-Dispatch, we lost Brian Burwell and, and Joe Strauss back to back and it was crushing and, and not to, there's no comparing grief by any means, but but Therese is so young and he was just, he'd been sport, a sports writer for a long time, but it also felt like his career was just kind of launching. Um, he, he came on the Mizzou beat at the star, got promoted. I think it was 2012. He was filling some majorly big shoes and Mike DeArmond who had covered the beat for um, centuries. And, uh, and Therese <laughs> came in and had a different style, different yep. demeanor, um, different approach. He was kind of feeling his way at the time. He's kind of quiet. But you watched him work, and he developed sources uh, naturally. He did it without being um, a wise-ass. He did it without being snarky, without being cynical. He just loved football especially. And uh, he, he, he was on, wasn't on the Missouri beat long. It was less than two years. But he parlayed that pretty quickly into the Chiefs beat at the star, which is you know, it's, it's like the Cardinals beat at our paper. I mean, it is, it is the, 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 the big deal job. I mean, he, and he was, he was a big deal because he was so good. He, he, uh, he, his coverage was so great. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I would read what he wrote just because he, he put his heart and soul into it. And then, you know, turn that into a national gig at Yahoo. And he was a podcast guy, he was a video guy. He was a columnist. He broke stories. He broke news. He, he had such a uh, such a charisma on camera and on the podcast that he did to where he found his lane and it, it was it was covering the NFL and I think what's what has struck me is a lot of these tributes have come out I mean people like Peter King who is the don of NFL writers is was just gutted by by Therese's passing like I think he said on Twitter the other day that he had another 25 great years ahead of him covering sports, covering football. Uh, Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, put out a really heartfelt statement. Um, the Chiefs did, too, to their credit. Uh, and they're dealing with, you know, the loss of Marty Schottenheimer this week, too. So not to mention the Super Bowl, but that's secondary to all this. Um, man, what a guy. I, I, I didn't know him really well. We kept in touch, you know, frequently. Um, I would always see him at Missouri's Pro Day, uh, NFL Pro Day because, you know, he was an NFL writer. And it was the last time I guess I saw him was Drew Locks two years ago. And I I maybe didn't consciously think this at the time, but I, I do now looking back. It was so cool to see him. He was like the big man on campus. Like, you know, almost 10 years earlier, he was this newbie on the beat who kind of was quiet, <laughs> kept to himself, was trying to figure things out. Now he shows up, he's the NFL beat guy for Yahoo!, and he's out talking to agents. He's talking to the the, uh, the scouts, Drew Locke's parents, Drew, everybody, and was kind of like a star. And it, but he didn't carry himself that way. It was it was uh, a kindness to him. It was um, 
a confidence, but also like, this is what he loved doing. He wasn't complaining. He wasn't like, gosh, I'm still in Columbia. I don't need to get back to Kansas city, see my fiance. He, he loved every minute of it. And it's, if we can take anything away from this, and I say that carefully because you don't want to find silver linings or anything in some so tragic like this, but like if we could do our jobs as joyfully as he did, man, our, our work would be better probably, but our lives would be better too. I mean, the guy just loved what he did. You could tell he was the type of guy who he never looked at this as work. Um, and, and he worked harder than anybody, but it, it was fun for him and he took the joy out of it. And, um, man, what a, what a terrible loss. The first time I met Therese, I think he was covering, it was Mizzou media day, I'm sure. And, uh, he had, and I was, you know, he's, he was 37. So, and I'm, I'm about to turn 31. So I would, I guess I was, I was still maybe in school, I guess, um, or, or just, out. I don't know. I was pretty young still. And, and he, um, I remember seeing him, he had like three voice record, like, you know, three of our audio, yeah. three audio recorders. Yeah. I'm like, man, this guy's prepared. He's got lots of backups. Maybe he's got bad batteries or something. <laughs> no, he was using them all. And it, you know, the little, that was back pre COVID. It feels like forever ago, but you know, they would set up a player and a coordinator and a coach and you'd have different guys over different parts of the field. Right. Well, if right. you're the if you're the Tribune, you've got three people there. Yeah. Or if you're if you're the Post Dispatch, you might have you know a reporter and the you know the the intern or or the the stringer who's helping you that season right. or whatever. Or Missourian, they might nine, nine kids. Yeah, Missourian's got fifteen kids there, and and Therese is. I'm watching him, and Therese is interviewing somebody, but also in between that interview, setting up his recorders in the scrums, like basically just putting them on the field right. at people's feet. <laughs> And his point was, he's not going to get beat by by not trying. Right. He's like, I can't be three places at once, but I'm going to at least try. Yeah. And then, I, and then he would go, you know, go back to, to home, and, and he would record, and he would tra- type, transcribe all those interviews because there might be something he needed in there. There might be a story for the next day. And I thought, man, you could learn a lot. You could learn a lot by watching how Therese worked. Yeah. One, you nailed it. Work ethic. He was he was going to stay late. He was going to do the best he could. He was going to make the extra phone call, but two, and you nailed it. And this is the, the thing I think about and will always think about with him is the passion for it. Um, you know, especially the Mizzou beat. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here. We can be a cynical bunch at times. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it can be, it's, it's usually good natured and, and sarcastic and fun and, and it's a dry humor, but at times it can probably be a little too, and this is anybody's career it's, or anybody's work, work atmosphere. Sometimes it can be, be maybe too pessimistic and yeah. Therese just came in there and, and he was unflinching and not playing that game. Right. He wasn't going to come to the game and be like, Oh, what are we doing covering this today? Or, Oh, it's snowing or, Oh no, he was there because he wanted to be there and he was encouraging other people to see it that way too. And not, not like ragging on anybody, but just in the way he did it, you watched him do what he did. You think, man, I want to, I want to be like that. Right. And you're right. It was, in, a, in the industry too, where people can be jealous and competitive and backbiting, he just ascended above all of that stuff. Yep. And he's one of those few people who you can't find anybody who could say a bad thing about. And you also can't find anybody who wasn't just flat out rooting for him to dominate whatever he, whatever he took on and for him to get to where he wanted to be. It was so cool to watch. And, you know, it would have gone 
he would have gone even higher and higher. So it was just tragic to see. Um, it was tragic to see see it cut short. And I'm just I'm gutted for the folks who knew him much better than we did. Um, and I've compliment you know the guys at the Star um, for their tributes to him, yeah. which were written under a cloud. I'm, I'm sure, but they did him. They did it. They told his story, and that, that could not have been easy. So. My heart hurts for for those guys, and of course the folks at, at Yahoo as well. And you can just see the the amount of people he impacted. And then the other thing I was thinking about too, Dave, was I think we're all guilty of this. No matter what we do, we have this idea of how we want to do things when we get to where we want to be, right? Right. Like I'll be more encouraging to people who are who are young and up and comers when I'm a certain age, or I'll be when I'm more established in my role, then I'll help others more. Or I'll, and I've thought, and I've told I know I've told myself that before, and Therese was like, "No, I'm going up, and I'm taking everybody with me." Yep. You know, you're seeing these these comments from people who he's encouraged and helped and inspired, and it's like he was so motivational in his own way, but he was also as big of a cheerleader for other people. Yeah. And it's like, really, that's really special. So yeah. I think that the lesson for me there is you don't you don't don't wait to start being the kind of person you want to be be it. Right. Because you just don't know. I mean, we're, none of us have a contract on that tells us when we're gonna when we're gonna be gone. So um, he'll be missed, and I, I hope that that his you know what we what we learned from watching him and working around him and knowing him, we can hold on to. But um, you're right; there's no silver lining. It's gutting, and, and I'm, I'm sad for for everybody, um, and inclu- most importantly, his family, of course, but also his big big group of friends. Yeah, because he had so many. Um, and we're thinking of them. So um, I, there's no other way to really wrap that up other than you know, I think you got to try to try to live like Therese, man, and uh, find the joy and, and lift other people up. And and uh, just wanted to make, make sure we're thinking of the folks who are who are trying to sort through this because it's pretty unimaginable. So, Dave, anything else we should hit on here before we uh, before we wrap this up? No, I think we ended it perfectly. Just a reminder, we'll, Saturday is a, is a it's hard to segue, but, but Saturday is a huge game for Missouri and uh, we'll, we'll be there covering it. It's the rally for Ryan game, which should, it's always a great cause. It's something that Conzo has really embraced because as a cancer survivor, it's important to yeah. him and, and Missouri plays well on that game. So I, I'd be surprised if, um, if, if, if they don't come out and play really well and, and recover from that ugly loss at Old Miss. Yeah. Motivation will not be lacking on uh, right. Saturday. That would be uh, that would be a surprise if so. We'll have full coverage in the post dispatch at stltoday.com and encourage folks if they uh, if they like what they're hearing on the podcast to subscribe. You can find it pretty easy stltoday.com slash podcast, or you can even uh, go to iTunes wherever you find your podcast and just search "I Am the Tigers Podcast" and you should be able to find us there. For Dave, I'm Ben. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good weekend, everybody.